one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Alright fans, welcome in. This is of course Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. Same thing every week, doesn't change. Uh, before we get going here, we're going to remind you the show is brought to you by React. It's the new app that we have been fortunate enough to become new partners with. I know, we're used to lynda.com. We're also still partners with them, so you can go for your claim your 10-day free trial. But this show is brought to you by React. Uh, if you go on to, I believe it's right in front of me, www.react app.com backslash clns that's r-e-a-c-h-t app.com backslash clns and you download the app for ios or google play today and you can join the clns page and you can subscribe and then we've been shooting out questions all the time and you can kind of engage with us answer questions we can reveal results of those questions that we've asked on the show here on red sox beat for a last one we put out was if you were confident enough that blake swihart would come up for opening day it's not in front of me, but I'm pretty sure the percentage was no, and he has he's not here for opening day. So it's a very exciting app, and we're glad to be partners with them. So go on and check that out. Uh, it's opening day. That's also another thing we're going to talk about today, Jess. It's opening day. It's about time. It's a thing we've always been talking about every single day of the show since it started, basically, <laughs> and it's finally here. Yeah, it's crazy. We go all oh, one week till opening day, two weeks, so it's spring training, and now it's we're watching the Red Sox live right now while we're recording. Playing against the Phillies, Clay Buckles is your opening day starter. He's looking good so far. We'll break it down a little more as the show goes on here. But just the Red Sox trying to get off to a good start, playing the Phillies. At this very moment, they're up 2-0. I know it's going to mean nothing if you're listening to this show later in the week, but right now they're up 2-0. Clay Buckles has looked good so far. Cole Hamels has not. I don't want to hear the let's not get Cole Hamels now bandwagon fans. I don't care. It's one game. Oh, come on. That's what I was going to do. <laughs> I know. That's what you're going to do. That's why I'm shutting it down now. No, I know it's not realistic to talk about anything from one game at all. That's fine, because then I can throw out the, oh, look at Cole Hamels. I mean, look at Clay Buckles. He's not doing good after. It's only one game. You can't look at this game. He's pitching against the National League. But I will say, though, Clay Buckles has looked good so far. Um, other things to talk about today, of course, we've got a lot to talk about. We'll do MLB headlines, of course. We've got another fantasy segment to do with you, as always. Um, we'll, we'll break down... Some news regarding Rick Porcello, not on-field stuff, which is, I don't know if controversial is the word, so we kind of start coming, but we'll get to that as well. And there's a poll on ESPN that I found interesting that we'll get to as well. But let's start off right here with MLB headlines like we always do every week. Just get you caught up on stuff going on around the league as opening day has arrived. First, this last night, the 20, about 24 hours before opening night, the San Diego Padres have made another big move this, this offseason. They received Melvin Upton, or BJ Upton Jr., and uh, Craig Kimbrell. Yes, that same closer, great closer, Craig Kimbrell. Four outfielders, Carlos Quentin and Cameron Mabin. There were a couple other small pieces in there as well. Huge deal for the Padres, closing off the offseason on a high note as they already had. We'll get to that. The season opened Sunday night, again, with John Lester versus Adam Wainwright and saw the Cubs fall at home to 3-0. More from that game in a minute. The Cleveland Indians have inked Corey Kluber to a five-year, $77.5 million contract. His base value of $38.5 million, $77.5 is all incentives included. 
pitcher reports that, quote, this is where I want to be. I want to be in Cleveland for a long time. Well, Kluber, you got your wish. One of the best pitchers in the league staying in Cleveland with that young core. Looks like to be a good team this year in 2015. Finally, Cubs fans last night at Wrigley Field. Obviously, we know the construction's going on. They were forced to relieve themselves in the nice terms in Cubs souvenir cups after the lines to the bathroom were proven too long as they were under renovation at Wrigley Field. This renovation project isn't expected to be finished until the end of April, and that is including the bleachers, which were not intact last night at Wrigley Field. Those are your MLB headlines for this week, Jess. Uh, we're going to have you break them all down. Let's start with the Padres' big trade, tw- not barely 24 hours before the season starts, and they get two proven players, mainly Craig Kimbrell, who they were they filled their void. They didn't really have a key closer and B.J. Upton, or Melvin Upton Jr., is not that too bad of a second piece of that trade either. Yeah, I mean, this this is a big trade. Was, I can't believe it happened. You told me this morning, I, didn't even, I hadn't even heard of it yet. And Kimbrell's one of the best closers in the league, and Melvin, formerly B.J., was it's a very up-and-down player. He's good sometimes, he's bad sometimes. But obviously the main part of the deal was, was Kimbrell, but to get both of them, for only Carlos Quentin and Cameron Maven, what a steal! I can't. Uh, I guess the Braves are just deciding they're going to be terrible this year because that's a huge, huge mismatch in terms of talent of, of that deal. And the Padres just got a lot better. They already have, they already have James Shields and a good, a good solid staff, and added pieces in the offseason with Matt Kemp and Will Middlebrooks and Will Myers and people like that. And now they get. Kimbrell and Upton, and so now they have both Uptons, because I also have Justin Upton now as well, so the Padres are clearly looking to push the Giants and the Dodgers to the brink and try to get into the playoffs. Huge move. I wonder if, I wonder if Justin Upton had any incentive or any pull in making getting getting his brother back to play for him, because they played together for the Braves. In the, at the, with the Braves, and now they're getting together this year with the Padres, so it's a big move. I, I'm curious if that happens. Also, I'm never going to get used to calling Melvin Upton BJ, not calling him BJ Upton, because I'm going to keep calling him BJ. It's Upton. always so weird, like Bill Walker being Henry Walker now, and uh, Fausto Carmona being Carlos Hernandez or whatever his name is now. It's always it's always strange when they change it, and it's really hard to get used to. Yeah, it's very weird. All right, what do you think about the Cubs game last night? John Lester horrid last night. Well, I don't think horrid's the best word because. He only gave up three runs, but he did only pitch four and a third, and he got hit around the park with eight hits. But yeah, his his, his uh, location didn't look very good, and clearly the, the Cardinals are a pretty good team. But the bottom line is, no matter how he pitched, if your team doesn't get any runs for you, you're not going to win. That's the bottom line. Yeah, is that any indication? He was he did have arm soreness coming out of spring training. It probably was an indication of that. He's probably not 100%, but I don't give him any credit for that one. He, he did pitch pretty poorly. He wasn't in control of any of his stuff. Yeah, he, didn't, for sure. he didn't look 100%, and, and yeah, the dead arm thing he had just a couple of weeks ago. It's, you got you to gotta think that might be something, but hopefully for his yeah. sake he gets better. But he's not going to be winning 15 to 20 games if they're not going to score. No, not at all. Corey Kluber. Well, my opinion on this is good move for them because their starting rotation isn't proven and it's it's pretty young and to have a guy who's 29 years and 29 years old in Kluber to a five-year deal sure he'll be 34 at the end of the deal but he just won Cy Young and he's just he's just really becoming a really good pitcher because he a little bit later than most guys do so I say good for them lock him up long term see if he can keep the Cy Young pitching going and, and be the leader of a younger staff it's it's obviously great for them 
I think it's a great deal. I think Corey Kluber is phenomenal of a pitcher, and he likes to be in Cleveland. They have a young core there. They are expected to make some noise this year, potentially make the playoffs. So I, I think it's a good move for them to lock their guy up, and he wanted to be there. They wanted him, so I think overall, good deal for them. Yeah, I don't see anything bad about it. He's he's a really good pitcher, and I'm I am very interested to see if he can if he can put up numbers like he did last year this year. And last one, <laughs> Cubs fans are leaving themselves in, in uh, cups. That's that's great. I thought it was worth the headline. Yeah, I it, was I worth it, it totally is. It's just well, first of all, I think it's really stupid because if you're going to do renovations, you kind of got to have them done by the time the season starts because you can't have this. You can't have lines so long. People are missing multiple innings at a time and peeing in cups to so they don't have to miss more of the game. That's so stupid. In the regular season, are you kidding me? I think that's ridiculous. I don't know exactly how their renovations are going, but I think if you're going to do stuff like that, you've got to do it before the season starts. I saw something, Chess, that said that when they announced these renovations like last fall, they knew they weren't going to be ready this time. They said it was too much to do, and they weren't going to have them done come opening day. They shouldn't do now, them the bleachers, <laughs> the, ble- the, the bleachers is one thing. Because look, the bleachers you can you can get by without bleachers for a month. But bathrooms It's ridiculous. You, you got you if you're running running bathrooms, let that be the first thing. And then make sure it is done and then you can do the bleachers little by little. And the it says the bleachers are gonna be done um end of April. So hopefully that is the case. They didn't look too bad with the covers on them of old players and cubs and everything, but you definitely lost money for them because they just didn't have extra seating they lost a lot of seating lost a lot of revenue but i think it's just it's such a cubs thing to have souvenirs not souvenir cups being peed in instead of being used for soda or ice cream or anything like that is now being used for human waste which is great another thing for the cubs fans to be proud of um yeah a lot of suffering there and this just continues to it's a bad place to to win and to be comfortable i guess <laughs> Uh, big game for Dustin Bedroy today. I'm going to give you an update. I know it's not live. I know we're not going to be live when you're listening to us, but I'm going to do it anyway. He just hit his second home run of the game. This guy so is going to have a year. <laughs> he said he's ready to go and he's healthy and he sound, sounded right. And we were all saying, just wait for Dustin Bedroy. He's going to have a good year. Everyone doubts this guy and he says, why are you doubting me? I'm going to hit 680. I'm going to be the best player. He had seven home runs last year and the whole season. And he's got two. Has two today and that's his first two home run game in three and a half years. Got 11. He... He had a great spring. There was no question about it. We haven't really talked about Pedroia too much during these shows, Jess, because well, there hasn't been a need to because we, we just does. kind of like we know what he we know what he is. Um, we know what he's going to bring, and especially if he's healthy, we just knew that okay, he's going to come back, be healthy, and if he is, and he'll be good. And so far today, with two home runs, he's proven to be healthy. So that's a good sign for the Red Sox fans as they're winning so as we talk right now. Mookie Betts Mookie Betts has the other run for the Red Sox, hitting a solo shot. All good um, in Red Sox Nation so far. Trade him high, Mookie Betts. Trade him at this high. Just leave him in Philly. Give us Cole Hamels. Leave him in Philly. <laughs> On the other hand, David Ortiz is not looking very good today yet. No, no, he just struck out again. But uh, anyway, let's move on here, Jess. Let's get let's get rolling here. I want to stay on the Red Sox news for now. Uh, Rick Porcello news coming out, and he basically went to the Red Sox and said. He does not want to talk to contract his contract extension during the season. As most of you probably know, he is going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. A lot of people. That's why a lot of people were worried about trading for him in the first place. As we all know, because 
is a risk. It's a rental player if you don't get him to sign for next year. Um, so we'll see what happens. But hopefully, um, hopefully he does sign. But the thing, the, the thing is, he said he doesn't want to talk about it until after the season. Is that a good thing for the Red Sox? Does that hurt them? He said, quote, I just don't want a distraction during the season. Does this mean he has a good chance he could still sign? What does this mean for the team and Rick Porcello moving forward? Well, I think it's fine. It's, uh, if I'm going to a new team and pitching for them for the first time, I don't really want to talk about a contract either. I mean, I just, it, just, it makes sense to me. We don't, we don't need to distract him and have him start pitching worse because he's not – because he's worried about a contract, I say just pitch the year and see what happens and take it from there. I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think the big thing is for me is that I'm okay. I like it. I'm okay with it because pitching for a contract also helps you get the best out of people. If you have a guy pitching for money and pitching for a contract, he's not going to suck. If he sucks, it's going to be either because he's not his mechanics are off, he's hurt or whatever. He's not going to be pitching casually because he knows that if he does he's not going to get as much money as he's probably worth rick porcello is a guy that i have picking up as potentially a, an ace type guy down the stretch this year if he can get his game underhand and we haven't seen a pitch here yet so in a regular season game and i'm hoping that pitching for a contract helps you improve on it. and you see with a lot of people a lot of athletes who play for contracts in any sport just play better for that year because they'll they'll want to make, get their money. Money drives everything, Jess. We all know that. Money is greed. Greed drives everything. And you see it in Boston. Even let's cross sports here for a second. Even with the Bruins, all these not all these guaranteed contracts with these players like Chris Kelly and all these people, they are. It makes them worse. You don't want to play as hard. Rick Porcello was saying, "Look, I'm going to pitch. I'm going to pitch for my contract, and we'll see what happens after the season." I like it. I expect him big things for him this season, and. I, I'm okay with it, but do you think there's any chance of him potentially maybe picking up halfway the season going, okay, maybe I do want to talk about it? No, I think he's going to leave it like that. He seemed pretty pretty against it the whole time he's been here, so I, I don't think that's going to change. I wouldn't mind it, especially if he's pitching okay but not great, and you can go, you can kind of get him low, but... right. I think especially if he's pitching well, he's definitely not going to um, really do much out of the sense of it. I don't think he's going to do that. I think if he's pitching well, he's going to pitch it up, kind of play it out and see what happens and see see if he can get as much money as possible. I just hope that it doesn't screw him over in this, the Red Sox over in the sense of he doesn't do a con, he doesn't get a contract on early because if he, even if he wants to be here and then he gets blown away at somewhere in the off season and it's a huge risk for the Red Sox not even trying. I, I, you don't know what they've done behind the doors, but apparently it's a mutual agreement that they won't talk about it. But doesn't that hurt the Sox chances? Because they, if they pitch well, if he pitches well and someone's willing to overpay for him, you might lose Porcello, and he's he could be a key piece moving forward after this year. I know he's really a guy I want to walk up for a long time because you don't want to pull another Lester situation where I mean they didn't even they gave him a contract at least, but where you just like don't get anything done and then leave it towards the end of the season and then. And then not get him in the end. You don't want that to happen. Porcello last year had the best season of his career, hands down, no question. He pitched. Uh, it was a three four three ERA, forty one Ks. Hold on. No, that was one hundred twenty nine strikeouts, only forty one walks. I was reading that wrong. I was going to say that's um, not very many strikeouts. <laughs> no, it was one hundred twenty nine strikeouts and four only forty one walks, um, and it was like two hundred five innings or something like that. He pitched. It was around there, but. 
that's a durable dude, and he's a durable guy, and he's pitched over 200 innings. We've talked about it. He's pitched over 200 innings multiple times in his career. So I really want him to be locked up, even if he's not going to be the ace moving forward. And you do say have you keep, you have Buckholz, obviously. I don't think he's going anywhere. And then you have Buckholz, Porcello, and potentially get an ace for the top of the staff in the offseason. If you're not going to do it this season, then Porcello would be a solid two or three guy, and then putting the ace on top of it would make this rotation good for years to come, and I think that's huge. And obviously Masterson's rehabilitation here would help. Obviously he's 30 years old, so who knows how long he'll be pitching. But Porcello is kind of a key of the the bridge from good pitchers on your staff to the bottom half. He's a good bridge guy. I don't see him as an ace-ace guy, but he could be the ace on this rotation this year, and I think he's going to get some money in the offseason. And I think it's for him, it's a great move to not talk during the season. Yeah, I agree. And I want to I want to actually <laughs> want to get an updated Jared take here. I uh, still want Cole Hamels, four home runs and and uh, five innings today. Hanley Ramirez. I do. Just did a you know home what? Run he's, fa- he's facing one of the better lineups in the league. We all know they're the gr- a great lineup. In the division, we're probably the best offensive lineup. But he only hit fourteen. Home, he only gave up fourteen home runs last year, the whole season, and he's given up four in one game. Okay, uh, not I'm, a good sign. It's it's not a good sign. It's opening day. Um, there's a good chance that Clay Buckholz isn't going to pitch this well the whole season either. I still want Cole Hamels. I think that he. It's oh, I, I don't took too much stock into the first start of the season. Now, if he's doing this for all of April, oh, that curveball looked good. Sorry, I got really distracted there. Sure uh, that was Clay Buck. That was a good Clay Buckholz curveball. Um, if he pitches well, t- doesn't pitch well for the rest of the. April and maybe into May, then I'm maybe hesitant. But you could also, if that's the case, you could also buy low because he's not pitching well. So it kind of is a win-win because you know he can pitch well. Look, coming into this game, he was four and zero against the Red Sox. He's owned the Red Sox less mm. whenever he faces them. So this is kind of a blip in the road for Cole Hamels. I don't take it away from Cole Hamels at all. I still want him. Yeah, I figured you'd say that. It's just ironic, just because that is, <laughs> that is that's a crazy stat: fourteen home runs in two hundred four innings. Innings last year and four home runs in five innings today. That's, that's a significant stat. That's that's pretty insane. So I don't know. He, I mean, he shouldn't be nervous. He's pitched he's pitched many games before, so it shouldn't be that. But I'm encouraged to see the Red Sox getting all these runs. And we talked. Of earlier. He's a little nervous. He's he's pitching for his future team here. Well, yeah. Then he should he should prove that he wants to be on their team. Then not not. He is. He's helping them win. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> he's getting them some extra wins to get ready for the playoffs. He wants to make them make sure his future team wins the division. <laughs> Well, for the record, he knows he's not. For the record, here we, me and Jared were talking earlier, and Jared said the Phillies were going to win this game, and I said the Red Sox would win. So I'm looking pretty good so far here. I will give you that. You did say that. I will not. Try, I will not try to deny that because I was more confident in Cole Hamels than giving up four home runs. Granted, this is huge though because this is big for Red Sox fans alike. That this is what you're. This is what you can expect from your your lineup this year. You're gonna ha- you're gonna expect some. Offensive games, four Look, solo home runs. That's that's pretty awesome. I know that's a lot of home runs. You're not going to get that every game, but that just speaks to what this lineup can do. Dustin Pedroia has the pop. We all know when he's healthy, he's healthy, and that's a good thing. Mookie Betts, we all know, can hit. Hanley Ramirez shown that that why he's your cleanup hitter. Just pop one out of the park too. And you're winning four nothing on four solo home runs, and none of them came from David Ortiz. So that's that's a good sign. Here's a good that's stat. It's a good sign. It's a really good sign. And Mike Napoli's not playing, <laughs> which is another big thing because usually Mike Napoli would be hitting seventh in an American League game, but now he's probably going to come in at some point when Clay Buckholz comes out of the game because the National League ballpark. So 
unless Clay goes Ortiz obviously game. was first to play first base. Do you agree with that? I want to talk to you about that. Do you agree with Ortiz playing first base today and not Napoli? Uh, I don't know. I just I hate that you have to give up on your players. But I, the, what really needs to happen is the two leagues need to do the same thing. Either have pitchers bat in both or DHs in both. And I think the more popular thing would be would DHs in both leagues because then you're, all the AL teams are losing a player and all the NL teams are not losing a player, which seems a lot more fair than just having every pitcher bat and just waste a spot in the lineup. So I think that really needs to be the change rather than trying to figure out who, which which of your good players you should not play because you're playing a stupid National League team. See, I hate starting the year with a National League team. I really do. And I, I, lo- do I love the idea I love the idea of having the national like interleague play throughout the year like instead of having like a set month where it's only interleague play. I do like the idea of having interleague throughout the year and so there's like always an interleague series going on at some point. I do like that a lot. But I think the first series you got you should be in your own league. Like, you can easily do that as, as Major League Baseball, as a scheduler. You can easily figure that out. Just let everyone get into the flow of the season. Get one series, maybe two in the division under your belt. Not even the, in the beginning of your division. Just make sure it's in the American or National League, whatever one you play in. And then go from there. Because this this would have been huge for the Red Sox. If they could have started, I don't even care if it's in the division, in an American League ballpark. Let, let the roster shake itself out. Let Ortiz get games at DH. He's never started the season at first base before. First game of the year, he's thrown into the field. We're not talking about Ortiz playing first base usually until July. I know, but it's like how can you how can you justify sitting Ortiz in the first game of the year? On the other hand, you know, it's 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 a stupid situation. It really is. Yeah, it's it's back and forth. You're probably going to see Ortiz sit one of the next two games. He'll probably sit tomorrow. I'd be, I'd be, they're not playing tomorrow. He'll probably I'd sit be very su- <laughs> <laughs> I'd be very surprised. That's another thing I don't like either. I'm going to bring that up in a second. Um that's one thing that you don't be surprised at if Ortiz gets a day off just because they want to make sure Napoli plays this, this before they go to, to play the Yankees. And Ortiz has after. already said that he gets he gets sore and, and tired quicker when he plays first base. He's old. Right. He's an old man. He shouldn't old. be playing. No, he, should, he, he, should he shouldn't be playing. <laughs> exactly. So it's fine. But one thing I do hate, too, and you, um, I wasn't going to talk about this, but you you sparked it, and I wanted, now I want to talk about it. The fact that they have a day off the second game, the second day of the season. What, what I hate that they do that. Is there a reason for that? I honestly don't know. I don't know. Either. I don't. I haven't. I haven't figured out a reason. But it's. I've heard some funny. things where it's like they want to have days off earlier in the year in case for because for weather delays and cold weather stuff just in case. So they'd rather have it built into the schedule so that later in the year they can reschedule games or like if say there was a cold weather issue today or on opening day they can make it up tomorrow or something like that. But. These guys shouldn't be getting days off. They're just coming out of spring training. They, there's no need for days off yet. Yeah, we've talked about this. Neither of us like it, and it's stupid because everyone gets all excited. You, if you play a good game, then you want to play the next day. If you don't play a good game, you want to play the next day so you can so you can make up for it. And then you have to then you have to wait. And then then it could be weather after that because I know it's supposed to rain in Philadelphia and be cold on Wednesday and Thursday. So it's like, but now we're, and now we're just sitting tomorrow out. I think it's. Yeah, it's, it's thunder showers tomorrow too. I guess you're never you can't win in April. It's just gonna be <laughs> No, I mean it's I mean it's better better chance of good weather in April in Philly than you have in Boston. God knows the weather you're gonna get in April in Boston. But like next week, when they're here to play the nationals, it could snow. You never know. Who knows? But especially the way this our winter went. Um but it's just I hate the idea of them getting days off because there's some teams that have Tuesday off or well Wednesday. We'll go like Wednesday, Monday, and like Thursday the next week off. Like 
you have three days off in two weeks, and, and like, what? And it's the beginning of the season. And then you have times in the middle of the season, like July and August, where you play, like, 50 straight games. <laughs> it's like, not, doesn't yeah, quite, it's quite seem even. Yeah, I don't like it. But it, the biggest thing for and most Red Sox fans, and most baseball fans will agree, it's, it's like the Red Sox situation. You play today, you get all hyped up for opening day. We're all love it. We're going crazy. It's like Christmas morning for me. I love baseball opening day. It's great. And then tomorrow we're like, oh, well now I don't have baseball again. Cool. Because <laughs> I guess I'll do nothing. And around here, it's even worse because tomorrow, Tuesday, even the Bruins and Tufflings aren't playing. So there's nothing, nothing. on tomorrow night. Yep. And then they're all on Wednesday, all three of them, all at night. <laughs> so it's just it Ugh. just sucks that way because we're all amped up and ready to go and our baseball juices are flowing and everything and then all of a sudden it's oh we get a day off right but so, i mean it's better it's better if you win an opening day and then get the day off than if you lose so that's true if we can pick up a win then you can feel good about it going into the the, the day break <laughs> and we look forward to rick porcello yeah pitching on wednesday and not, i'm, and I'm not excited for that start guys. i'm excited for that start though i really am because he has spring training isn't i don't really gauge much on spring training Training, he did look pretty well, good in spring training, but I'm intrigued to see his first start as a Red Sox in the regular season, and I'm, I'm gonna, probably going to sit and watch the whole game. I know there's bigger games on Wednesday night than the Red Sox game, but I'm probably going to watch it because I'm intrigued by Porcel's start. It's on ESPN um, as well. It is. It's on, so are the Celtics, though. I know. So, hey, big night in Boston. No kidding. Um, so, yeah, so Red Sox are winning currently, as we speak, 4 nothing still. Xander Bogarts is at the plate if you care. If it's Friday and end of the week, <laughs> then you know what happens. Um, let's move on here, though, Jess. I want to talk about – I'm going to move on to some other Red Sox stuff in a minute. But I want to go back to the whole Cubs fans peeing in a cup thing mm-hmm. because it kind of speaks to a larger field of renovating Wrigley Field as a whole. Because Fenway and Wrigley, we know, are the two greatest ballparks probably historically still alive, still around, especially because Yankee Stadium is gone, the original one. And – that place wasn't even that great compared to Fenway and Wrigley. There's so much history in both these ballparks. And look, we've all heard stories about potentially getting a new ballpark in Boston for years now. I don't think it's going to happen under this ownership group. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Fenway, the way it is now, is good for another 15 to 20 years before they really need to consider it. Um, Wrigley is finally getting facelift. They just finally put a new big Jumbotron monitor out, out in left center, center field this year, which it looks gorgeous, but it took them long enough. Um, and that kind of speaks to it, Justin, whatever they want to talk about. Aren't the Red Sox so much further along and just handled renovations so much better than the Cubs' ownership? It's almost like the Cubs' ownership didn't want to touch it because of what it was, but Red Sox' ownership touched it because they wanted to keep it what it was, and they wanted to make it modern without having to build a new ballpark. Wrigley Field, will be, I think, will, is less functional uh, even after the renovations. Because obviously now it's complete disarray. But I think after these renovations they're making, Fenway Park is still better off than Wrigley Field. Yeah, I mean, Fenway's a nice park. And I mean, I can't, I can't speak of an experience about Wrigley because obviously I haven't been there, but it's it's so old timey. And I, th- I just feel like they're they're back in 1908. They don't, they, uh, they're stuck back in their, their last World Series now that they haven't won one in 107 years. And. Oh, that high, God, it's awful. It's just a disaster there. You know, never. And, I, and I'm a Cubs fan. I like the Cubs. I, I want the Cubs to win, but they're kind of stuck behind everybody. And, and you kind of think about it this way, Jess. It's imagine Red Fenway Park right now with no monster seats, the Coke bottles still there, 
No Budweiser up to upper deck on the right field. Uh, the bleachers still the bleachers still being bleachers and not being seats. Uh, the old scoreboard being up there in center field, not the nice new one. Uh, the glass still being up behind home plate where the uh, box those private seats used to be, and now people can sit up there. The pavilion box up top not being there. The standing room only. All that stuff not being there. And you think like about it, like and it's like. 50s. <laughs> Yeah, we take it all for granted, but if you take all that stuff away and you just put it back to the way it was, that's what Wrigley is for them right now. And they're so far behind. And is this do you think it's more of do you think it's the Cubs ownership just not wanting to change or is it them not wanting to fork up the money? Like what is it about the Cubs ownership because the Red Sox ownership as much as we crap on them a lot about selling bricks here, selling bricks there, all this stuff and wanting to be about the business only. They're doing a good job of keeping the Red Sox at Fenway Park because before they bought the park and before they bought the team, there was a huge amount of talk about them moving, tearing down Fenway Park or like keeping it as an historical landmark but moving down to have a ballpark somewhere on Charles. There was a lot of talk about them leaving, and this ownership group kept them at Fenway. Yeah, I mean, really the only complaint I hear people talk about in terms of Fenway is the seats in right field and the grandstand where you have to kind of crane your head and kind of turn your body to – to see home plate because you're just looking at center field otherwise. And then obviously a couple of seats where you're blocked by poles. Other than that, I, I, don't, I don't I don't hear a lot of complaints about Fenway because it's a great ballpark and it's historic and they've kept it modern and, and everyone seems to enjoy going in there. See, I do, I do think the seating at Fenway is still a problem. I do. Especially down by Pesky Pole. Um, right. But I think and they still have the original seats up in the grandstands, those hard wooden seats. And those are very uncomfortable. And I think I would love to see a, a, a shiny new ballpark. I really would because I'm a sucker for nice ballparks. Um, I really want to go see Washington ballpark. I really want to go see uh, San Francisco because it's a nice stadium. But I just think that they're not going to do it. I don't think this ownership group, one, has the balls to do it. I don't think they'll they'd consider even moving out of Fenway. I think that's going to be someone else who comes in and goes, all right, turn a new page, let's get out of Fenway Park. Um, I don't know if anyone will have the balls to do that. <laughs> but I also don't think, where would you put them? Is another, obviously another conversation you can have because you're not going to tear down this Fenway Park. You can't. It's an historical landmark. Right. So you can't put it in the same spot. There's no room in this neighborhood. You'd have to consider putting it down by the water somewhere, maybe in South Ball. Who knows where you'd put it? And... It's a, it's gonna be a, it'd be a logistical nightmare to figure that out. There's already enough crap going on around here about people not wanting stuff to be taken out because of the Olympics. Right. Never mind trying to build a new ballpark for the Red Sox, but everyone here loves Fenway. So I don't think that's gonna happen anytime soon. I don't think this ownership group, like I said, has the balls to do it. I don't think they will do it. And I think this ownership group at least owns the team for another ten years. So after that, maybe f- five more. Years. I think fifteen years is probably when Fenway Park gets considered to be vacated by the Red Sox. And even then, I don't think it'll happen. So who knows when that'll happen? I, I think it'll be in our lifetime, Jess, obviously, because we're not old. <laughs> I don't think they'll be in Fenway that long. I think at some point they're going to have to leave because you're seeing some nice new ballparks pop out and around, um, around Major League Baseball. And obviously the big question is, what do you do in terms of, do you keep the dimensions the same? Do you build a Fenway Park 2.0? Like JetBlue Park. <laughs> Yeah, right. like they did with Yankee Stadium even. Mm-hmm. Like they built a replica only, wiffle ball size of Yankee Stadium. Um, I don't care what the dimensions say, that ballpark is small. And do, do they do something like that? 
to keep the history and they keep the green monster, which I think they would. I don't think they'd take that down. That's part of it. But I think that it's something to talk about down the road, obviously, but I really want to bring it up because of this whole debacle of the Cubs not getting their stuff done because they had renovations and now fans are peeing in the cup and that's just so Cubs. It's so a Chicago Cubs thing, Jess. It's such them. It's so them. And it's stupid, too, because it's like, oh, opening day of the whole season at Wrigley Field, everyone's excited and then they get shut out and people are peeing in cups. It's like, not what you associate with opening day at all, so I think that's that was a pretty poor way to start the season for the, for baseball and for them. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's and and they lost on top of it, which doesn't help. Um, but we also most people probably could have seen the loss coming just because of who they are. But, but it was John Lester. I think, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's the Cubs, so right. I think I think people are way too hyped on the Cubs this year. I think that they have to get over that. Um, all right, so just let's move on. That's obviously a, a big issue, but we, I think we can kind of get past that for now. I think we should move forward. Um, I want to talk about there's an ESPN poll that came out for the uh, baseball's top 40 players. And I, I was very actually kind of taken back by this, that out of the top 40 players that they ranked just, the Red Sox don't have a single player on that top 40. And I don't know why. You have Hanley, you have, uh, obviously you have Ortiz. I know you're not going to get any of the pitchers on there, but you have to think between Hanley, Panda, Ortiz, Pedroia. maybe Pedroia. Someone has to be on that list. That seems kind of ridiculous. 40 players. What, okay. Ortiz is 41st, Pedroia's 50th, Ramirez 70th, Sandoval 74th. Eh. But that's crazy. Yeah, okay. Like, here, here's an example. As I'm re- I get that Ortiz is 41, but still. Well, just for an example, I read the article here. Anthony Rizzo on the Cubs is 37th. I, I don't think Anthony Rizzo is better than... David Ortiz at this point. I wouldn't go that. Yeah, I wouldn't see, go that far. <laughs> I think they're giving him the youth benefit and the fact that he plays other than just DHing. I think that's why they would do that. But I think how do you keep Ortiz out of the top forty? If anybody else in the Red Sox, you can make an argument for why you'd keep them out, especially where Hanley's playing left field this year. But why would you keep Ortiz off the top forty list? Why? Like, what's the point of that? There's no He's need. A baseball and legend. <laughs> and it's really comical too because they have. The Red Sox are coming into the season as 10-1 to favorites to win the, the whole thing, to win the World Series. Yet they don't have a top 40 player on the ESPN poll. Must have really a lot of really good average players, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly what they're going for, huh? Uh, I don't like it. I don't like it at all, and it doesn't make sense. Like If you, if you have a, a team that's that good of favorites to win the World Series and you're picking them to come out of the American League – you gotta think you gotta put their best player on the top forty list. We get the, be- and we get I still the best consider Ortiz league, our best. Right? I still consider Ortiz our best player. Right. Yeah, it's like they're considering this like potentially could be one of the best offenses like ever, and yet none of them are good enough to be a top forty. Which doesn't quite make sense. Yeah, and the way it worked was um, over. It says like, I think it was over sixty experts. If I remember reading right, they they ranked them like a one the zero to ten scale. Right. Um, and they did. How well they projected them to finish the season, like to do, throughout the whole year, and they did. Um, they ranked each position for like a top five, top ten list too. But the way, so they did a, basically zero to ten. How good is this player? And they just did the averages of how many players got whatever, and that's how they did it. How do you think David Ortiz and not automatically go anywhere higher than like any anything lower than an eight is probably not okay to rank him and to be forty one on that list? You got to think he was gonna, he has to be pretty not 
close to getting eights on that zero to ten scale list. You know, like the people think he's falling off in his career. I mean, he's hasn't shown really any signs of, of falling off. His numbers have still been solid every single year. So I think they're are they like are they like assuming are they assuming he's gonna have a bad year this year and like they're like, Oh, okay, well he will be forty one on this list at some point this year. But I don't think you can't go based off of like for example, last year, thirty five homers, hundred four RBI, year before, thirty home runs, hundred three RBI. Like, what are they looking at? What are, yeah. what, are, what are you supposed to do? I don't know what they're looking at, and I don't know what he else Ortiz could do. I think he's made every day he poss- every case he could for to be that guy and to be on that top forty list. And I, I saw that poll, Jess, and I really want to talk about it because I thought it was just ludicrous that that even was a case and talking point. Um, but I think overall it's just dumb. But I think I think being ten to one favorites to win the World Series is still kind of a long shot for the Red Sox anyway. I think people are overhyping this team just because their pitching isn't great. I'm not supporting of it yet. Um, despite Clay Buckles' decent start so far today. But I just think that Ortiz definitely got didn't get enough respect on that front at all. Yeah, and as the article also notes, former Red Sox are on the list. John Lester's 21st, Adrian Beltre's 22nd, Anthony Rizzo's 37. All, all higher than anybody on our team. And then it goes on to note that Adrian Gonzalez, more former Red Sox, 49. Jacoby Ellsbury, 6. Andrew Miller eighty two and Jonas Espet is ninety seven. So seems kinda seems kinda dumb that that all three of those guys, Lester, Rizzo, and Beltre are all higher than anybody on the current team and it's kind of a kind of a slap in the face to the Red Sox. But hey, you know what? They'll go out and show that they're better, a better team than, than those other people's teams and and uh make the article not not matter. Yeah, I hope I hope that they they play well. Obviously, we do hope they play well, and I think it's great that UNS Cespedes was so low because I mean, obviously, we'd rather Hanley Ramirez than UNS Cespedes. I think that's just a given because Hanley looks like he's adjusted to playing left field well. He looks like he's not difficult. I mean, it's not really hard to learn left field of anyway because once you learn to play the wall, that's all you have to worry about. It's not like it's a major, like huge field wise. You know what I mean? It's not a lot of space to cover. So I mean, even Manny Ramirez played it well. He just figured out Johnny how to play Gomes the played it. Well. Johnny yeah, Gomes yeah. played it well. Absolutely. So, and I, I think Manny Ramirez was a better defender than Johnny Gomes was. So agreed. I, I mean, it's close, but I, I still think Johnny Gomes was just a horrid defender out there. I mean, Manny got three every day, which probably made him better. But right. Either way, le- learning left field here is not hard. It's right field that's the problem. Um, so. I think it's not difficult for Hanley. I think that's why the transition's been great. He didn't play too much in the spring, and that's fine. He looked fine every time he did, and he's and he'll probably look fine when he comes back at the home opener next week. So it's just shocking to me the way this list fell. But I won't I won't uh, complain about it and, and piss and moan too long about it. I just wanted to bring it up because it kind of it kind of rubbed me the wrong way, Jess. It really did. I hate well, to do it, but it did rub me the wrong way. It's the stupid thing about these any, any list like that, any predictions and stuff. It's whatever it's you... those kind of lists. It's that list, and it's like. Power ranking list. I hate power rankings. Well, yeah. Whenever you look at stuff like that, it like it ends up not being right. People predict predict this, predict that, and it's always wrong, pretty much. And, and I get why they're there. I do. It's it's someone doing their job. It's someone getting most fans will click and read them. And be like, oh, why did my team drop in the power rankings yet? Yeah. Right. It causes <laughs> it causes controversy. I'm like, drop your team dropping a point whether in the bottom of the power rankings isn't going to change your team. It's just your team played bad for that week, so they're going to make them lower. It's but fans love to read power rankings, and it's what a lot of fans go off of for who's the best team in the league because they trust professionals' judgment. So, thus, power rankings aren't going anywhere. I'm not a fan of them. Or lists like this. But either way, 
don't forget, before we move on, the show is brought to you by React App. It's a new new partner partner of ours. Go on to React. You can register, and then you can kind of go on and register for CLNS. And if you do that, then you can answer all of our questions, subscribe to the Red Sox Beat page on React. We have one there, and you can go on and answer all the questions we post out. If you're a follower of us on React, you'll get notifications when we post stuff and ask questions and It'll give you able to go right to it. It'll give you the ability to go right to it, and you can just answer questions, which is great. It's a good service, so go on and uh, go on and check the app. It's on Apple's iStore, uh, Apple App Store, excuse me, and the Google Play Store as well. Um, also, don't forget you can check out our Google Voice number. I don't have it in front of me. I'm going to pull it up in two seconds. But don't forget you can call us now. You can interact with us. I will shoot the number when I have it in front of me. But yeah, it's a great thing. You can. Leave us a voicemail, leave your name in a voicemail, and we'll get it to you. We'll play the best ones on air. Um, it's a great thing, and it's a great service. So it's on a trial basis. We're trying to get it to work. Jess, I'm really hoping it shoots up because I like to have other people's input. Um, the phone number is 781-499-2772. 781-499-2RSB. Yes, I was clever and put RSB at the end of the phone number. Um, go on there and call us. You can leave a voicemail. It's a great service. We'll put... Best ones, you can talk about anything baseball-related. doesn't matter if we're talking about it that week or not. We'll talk about it if you want to. So go on there and call us. And Jess, pray we get some uh, good phone calls for next week, that's for sure. Especially now that baseball season's in full swing. Yeah, I mean, that's what makes shows go. Is get, you get fan reaction and people asking questions, and you get to answer it in the show. That's, that's how good shows are. So we really hope people use that service and make our show even better. Yeah, so go on there and um, make the phone call and talk to us about anything you want to talk about. So uh, that being said, we'll move on here, Jess. And let's get to our uh, fantasy segment of the week, Jess. And I know that this week I, I kind of wasn't sure what we are going to talk about fantasy-wise, but then I got struck with an idea. And so this week, we're, Jess and I, are, we're going to give you one player, just one, one each. So you're going to get two total, and it's players who are top prospects who may be good down the road, who just missed out on an opening day roster. Um, Chris Bryant it would be an example. That's not one of ours, but that's an example of a guy who would be good to have on a roster but might not be up now. Obviously, the Chris Bryant situation is different because it was for business side of things, not talent-wise. He should be up here already. Um, but I'm talking about guys who just missed the lineup who would be good in a couple months to have but might not be might be out there now. If you can spare a roster spot on your bench, go for it. Um, so, Jess, why don't you give me your guy first? All right, so my, my player for this category of guys that didn't quite make the roster but are going to be good players and obviously have good careers and flourish in the league. My pick is a man of the Cubs as well. His name is Addison Russell. Mm-hmm. He's a 21-year-old shortstop, and he's listed by Baseball America as the number three prospect in 2015. So a little surprising he didn't even make it this year, but he is he's still pretty young. He's only 21 years old, so... I look for him to get up at some point and have a have a good season because he's hit 300 in the minors in three seasons, has 37 home runs as well, over 200 RBI. So I think this guy has some good potential, and and he'd be a guy to to keep an eye out on and see see how he does when when he comes to the majors and how he does when he comes to the majors because he's a very very highly touted prospect. So Addison Russell is my guy with the Cubs. How about you? Um, I, I do like Gaddis Russell. That's a good one. Um, I'm going to go with John Gray. He's a pitcher for the in the Rockies system. Uh, in the spring, he went 11 hits, 9-to-1 strikeout to walk ratio, and he 
um, was the third overall pick in 2013. Um, he, I think it, it was going to be a big surprise that if you made the roster opening day because you had Eddie Butler there as well, who was just about the same pace as him. But I think a lot of people would have been surprised in the case. But don't be surprised if John Gray gets a nod because if anyone, including Eddie Butler, just falls a little bit there on the Rockies' rotation, I would see John Gray getting a shot. Um, obviously, with them probably not doing it that much this year in terms of it. I know that they came out, uh, General Manager Jeff Friedrich, I think that's how you say it, um, came out and said that it wasn't due to arbitration was the reason why he was going down. It, was, it wasn't anything to do with that. It was just strictly on baseball. Talent-wise, um, I think it was. I think John Gray should have been the one to get the naughty pitch really well this spring. So keep an eye on John Gray. Um, you might, you, you'll definitely be out there now. I'd be surprised unless someone knew about him ahead of time. But I'd be surprised if he's not in the league in your league right now to go pick up. So go for that. I think he's a good stash on the end of the bench. Excuse me. Ooh, burping up some iced coffee. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so definitely go check out John Gray. I think John Gray is definitely a good pickup there for. All you fantasy baseball players, so, which is very exciting because now, now we have to get to play fantasy baseball. It starts today, so don't forget to check those lineups. Stay going. So Jess had Addison Russell. I had John Gray. So definitely go check those players out. Those are our top prospects who sh- will make an impact later on the season, we think, and just didn't get the barely missed out on the opening day roster for the 2015 season. Jess, I'm loving the fantasy baseball's back. I'm excited. Yeah, it's fun. you gotta, I mean, you got to be dedicated to it because it obviously takes a lot of – Effort and you need to check your team pretty much every day, and there's games all the time, obviously because it's baseball. But yeah, if, if you keep track of it and enjoy it, it's it's always obviously a fun thing to do. Yeah, it's a long season, obviously, but if you if you're if you're a baseball fan, I definitely recommend it, especially for me. And I, I also side note here, Jess, I also do fantasy baseball because I'm a big fan of like the trades and all that stuff. And I am an Xbox owner. Video game side note here, and there is no baseball game on Xbox, not a good one anyway. So. I like to, it helps me be able to do the whole controlling of a team and making trades without having a baseball game to do it within a baseball game. You know what I mean? So it's nice to have fantasy baseball. It keeps me going. It makes me also want, make me, it makes me watch more baseball because I got to stay on top of my players and all stuff kind of like that. So it definitely is good for the baseball fans to be involved. And again, you can tune into Red Sox Beat every week to get your fantasy help and to uh, get excited for fantasy, um, fantasy baseball to happen throughout the year. That being said, Jess, I want to talk about something here, and I didn't put it on the show rundown, but it just kind of came to my attention because I saw this guy make a play on the Red Sox game. Um, Shane Victorino. I know we talked about it a little bit, but with opening day, rosters officially set, and Ruznick Castillo officially being sent down to the minors here, and Victorino getting the start, and he did get Victorino got an ovation today in Philadelphia because he hasn't he hasn't been back there since he got traded. Um, how long of a leash does Shane Victorino have at the big leagues? Because what do you do if Shane Victorino is playing okay, but but Ruzne Castillo starts raking and just is clobbering the AAA competition, which he should because he's major league ready, I think. What do you do if you're the Red Sox? How long is that leash for Shane Victorino? And if he's if his value's high, would you consider? Obviously, you'd consider trading him. But like, would the Red Sox do that? Well, I think I'm gonna kind of go back to what you said in the past, and Farrell being being uh, loyal to his veterans, and I was I was trying to see if that was really a true thing. And sure enough, he's started Victorino today in the in the open. 
Center, so I think it is a thing. And I, I, depending on how he does, I mean, I think, I think probably no matter what he does, Farrell is going to keep him until he gets hurt. Or we'll say if, if, if until he gets hurt, then he might see Castillo. I don't think even if he struggles, Castillo's ripping it up. I don't think he'd make the change unless he actually had a reason to make an injury to. See, I really think that's unfortunate because obviously, money aside, you you know what you're paying Castillo. You do, and that alone, it's weird that he's making that much to play in AAA. But I just think overall, he's the better result. And I think if Shane Victorino wasn't who he was for this team in the past, like we've been talking about, he wouldn't be playing. And I think this leash needs to be short. As much as he loves his veterans, I think it's the wrong move to let him play. If he's not playing well and you have a, or playing great and you have Arusne Castillo down in the minors who is tearing it up and and just feasting on AAA talent, which he should do and he probably will do because he was doing that in AAA when he came back. I mean, in the spring training when he was coming back from his uh, oblique injury. So I think you're going to see him sooner rather than later. That's Castillo. I think by May he's up here, and I think by the end of May he's probably playing. Whether Victorino's injured or not. Yes, right. I think I think I honestly think that at some point Victorino is going to get hurt. I just don't think he's going to stay healthy, which means you're probably going to see him anyway. But I think either way, I think Castillo is going to force his hand. I think they're going to for, he's going to force the Red Sox hand to play him. I don't think there's any way around it. And you might see Daniel Nava lose his spot on the roster, maybe trade him for something, some pitching depth or something. I don't know, but I just don't think that Ruzne Castillo is going to be in AAA as long as some people might think, just because Shane Victorino's on the roster. Shouldn't be in AAA for a while. Just, of course, always, as we say, because of the contract that he has, and he should be a good player. So That's a fair argument, though, the yeah, contract, be, right? It, it's a lot of money to pay a guy who's in AAA. Oh, it totally is. I hate it. totally is. No question about and it. So we'll see, I, if he, I, we'll see if he comes up sooner rather than later. I, I think he should, and I think that you're probably going to see it. Um, other Red Sox news. One, side fun fact, Mookie Betts is the youngest player in Red Sox history to hit a home run on opening day since 1965. Just want to throw that. That was a fun fact I saw pop up in front of me. That is fun. Yeah, he's, he's a youngin', and he popped a couple. He popped a homer, so that's good for Mookie Betts. Um, what I want to talk about now is Joe Kelly, because it seems like and this is an article I'm reading from Sean McAdam of Comcast Sportsnet, that Kel- Joe Kelly is on track to make his start in sat- on Saturday uh, against the Yankees in New York. Um, it's going to be either Stephen Wright or Joe Kelly. Uh, Stephen Wright and Joe Kelly both pitched in spring... In, um, uh, what's it called? What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, spring training game, extended spring training game down in Fort Myers. And Wright went... Six innings, 95 pitches. Kelly threw five innings and 78 pitches. Um, both looked good, according to the reports. Um, John Farrell said it's still a possibility that Ke- Kelly pitches Saturday. Quote, but ideally, we'd like to see him get to 95 pitches, and we've taken every starter up to, because they have done that. So maybe he doesn't pitch Saturday, and they get Stephen Wright a start at the end. Maybe they skip that start and go back to Buckholz against the Yankees. I don't know what they're going to do, but Jess, what would you want them to do in this situation? That's a tough one. I mean, it all depends on if if Kelly actually is healthy, because if they push him and rush him back, then obviously I'd, I'd rather have right pitch. But if he is all set and if he is really healthy, then 
odds I want to see him pitch because he's he's supposed to be Cy Young this year, according to him, and he's going <laughs> to need to pitch if he's going to be Cy Young. So I think it just it depends on just making sure he actually is healthy. If he's not, then I definitely want to see Stephen Wright. Would you take, because like I said, like in this article quoted too, Kelly threw five innings and 78 pitches. What would you rather have, Kelly at that number in a major league start against the Yankees or right at six innings and 95 pitches. What would you rather have pitch? Even if, if it was Kelly at the current state he's at now, or Stephen Wright 100% healthy pitching six and 95, what would you rather? Definitely Stephen Wright. I don't, I'd rather I take a healthy guy over a guy who's not 100% any day. Like. I also want Stephen Wright because of the knuckleball factor, just mm-hmm. out of curiosity to see when he can do it at this level against the Yankees, and see what you have there. It's early. You can afford a game against the Yankees. I know it's hard to say that now as a Red Sox fan, but you can afford a game early against the Yankees when, you, when you're when you not healthy at a pitching position with Joe Kelly. I think I wouldn't mind seeing Stephen Wright make the start. I'm okay with them waiting on Joe Kelly. Just give him one more extended spring training game, get him to that sixth inning, get him into the 90s like John Farrell said they wanted to do, and then kind of go from there and see what they get out of Stephen Wright for that one game. So I think that would be the way I would want them to go. I don't know if that's what they'll do, but I think that's the way they should go. I wouldn't mind seeing A-Rod wildly swinging some knuckleballs. That'd be great. That'd <laughs> be really amazing. I would love it. Yeah. It'd be fun to watch because I'm – but see, part of me kind of wants A-Rod to do well just because it would stick it to the Yankees. Because if he yeah. does well, they have to pay him. So it's kind of a give and take there. But I think overall, I think you're going to see Joe Kelly pitch – not pitch on – no, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know, Jess. I really don't. It's kind of a toss-up. I think Stephen um, Wright's going to pitch. My gut says Joe Kelly, but my my head says Joe uh, Stephen Wright. So I don't know. What to, I'm going to go with my gut and say Joe Kelly. I think Joe Kelly right. pitches Saturday in New York against the Yankees. Who knows if they win or not, but hey, what do we know? We just talk about the Red Sox. We don't play the game. All right, Jess. I think that's going to be it for this week. We got a lot. We got we talked about it a lot. We got a good show in this week. Uh, opening day is here. It's great. It's great for baseball. Opening week here. Uh, rest of the week, Phillies. Two more games against the Phillies, then we go to the Bronx and play the good old New York Yankees before the home opener next week against the Washington Nationals. Uh, should be a good series against the Nationals. Great team. Should be a good test for the, the Sox early in the season. Um, before we go, obviously don't forget the show is brought to you by React app. You can go on and uh, subscribe and sign up for React, and you can get it on the uh, Apple Store or the Google Play Store as well. And then subscribe to CLNS, and you can subscribe to the Red Sox Beat Group specifically to get all the questions we uh, bring up and get on there. So get involved with the show. Um, that way you can follow us both on Twitter as well as Red Sox Beat on Twitter at the Red Sox Beat hash- uh, handle. You can get us on Facebook as well, of course. Um, uh, also, don't forget, I almost forgot to reproduce this, uh, to re, uh, what's the word? Re-advertise this, Jess. But don't forget, also, you can now call into the show. I'm like half watching the Red Sox game as I'm talking this. I should probably turn around and just focus on the end of the show here. Uh, <laughs> very hard distraction with opening day. This is what opening day baseball does to me, Jess. Uh, don't forget, call in 781-499-2772. You can get, call in there. The number's up everywhere. It's on, it's now in the, information section on our Twitter handle as well, so you can always have it there. Um, call us in, talk about whatever you want, complain, you can complain about us, we'll respond to it, we'll have some fun with it. Um, just call in, and we'll put the best ones on air, and we'll react to it, and we'll have some fun with it. So that's a new feature we love, and we're, we're happy to bring it to you guys. So now you can be part of the show more than ever by calling in. 
So don't forget to do that. Jess, great week, great show. I'm looking forward to another good week of baseball here with the Red Sox getting going. Me too. I'm excited to to see how how they build off of what appears to be probably a win today. And Clay, both of the great first starts so far. Six innings, one hit, eight strikeouts. That's all you can ask for. He's pitching a great game, so I'm excited to that he started started the season off right. And I want to see how he does in the, the future, and this should give him a good a good boost for the season because, as we've said multiple times in previous shows, the first start of the season for Buckles is going to be a huge one to get his confidence up, and that's exactly what happened. So, all good news for the Red Sox, and looking forward to watching the week and talking about it on the next show and seeing what happens from here on out. Yeah, what Clay Buckles looking good, his stuff's looking good, team's looking good as of first day opening opening day of Major League Baseball. Uh, until next week, obviously, Jeff Thomas is my co-host. I'm Jared Scali. Enjoy the week of baseball. See ya.